if it's not good, then it's not done. He's not done with it yet. I love that. It speaks so well to the message today. So a couple weeks ago, we were in Romans chapter 8. In verse 24, we learned that we have been saved by hope. We have been saved by hope. And the writer makes the apparent observation that hope that is seen is no hope at all. Because you do not hope for what you can see. You hope for what you cannot see. We are saved by what we cannot see. And it is this lack of spiritual insight, this inability for us to see beyond what is visible and tangible that marks the greatest vulnerability of every child of God. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. My flight had been scheduled for three months in advance. I was gonna fly back from Chicago, back to Chicago from Atlanta, Georgia from a marriage conference. And I arrived at the airport like a good rule follower two hours in advance. I was eager to get back home. I sat there waiting for the gate attendant to call the flight. But about 30 minutes before takeoff, she came across the intercom and let us know that the flight would be delayed for about an hour. That's what she said. But then after an hour, she informed us again that it would be another hour before we could leave because of inclement weather coming from the east or something or another. And you know where this is going. You've experienced this before. People started walking up to the gate and asking all kinds of questions as if she could make the plane arrive earlier. Then arguments broke out and everyone became exasperated and took their frustrations out on this little lady with her microphone. I looked at them as I was sitting there and I smiled at them. I was being patient. And I thought they were being ridiculous. I could wait. And I waited and I waited and I waited until finally after about four hours, I decided the best thing I could do was to get a hotel room for the night. I became frustrated and angry. I was dismayed and I gave up. Sometime through the night that flight took off without me headed for Chicago. But my hope had been deferred. And in response to the postponement of my desires, I simply quit. I simply gave up trying. I decided to stop hoping. I decided to accept reality as it presents itself to me. I'm not going home today. That is the reality. There's no more need for me to hope. The deference of my hope made my heart sick. And the only remedy I could see was to stop hoping. 
And brothers and sisters, this is the temptation of every child of God. This is the temptation of every believer to stop hoping. To stop hoping for the promise God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ. To cease anticipating. To stop envisioning or to stop imagining a day when all of our tears will be wiped away. To leave off believing for my resurrection and the renewal of my body. The temptation for every believer is to stop hoping. The military coined the phrase, hurry up and wait. And if you've been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. You've dealt with the sluggishness of bureaucracy. You run out to formation every morning at 5 a.m. on the dime, standing at attention, and you stand there for 15 or 20 minutes waiting for the commander to come. You go to the chow hall and you stand in a line that seems like it's going around and around the block and you wait in line, seems like forever. Then you wait for the vehicles to come and take you to your assignment for the day. You always wait. In the military is a constant waiting game. Then finally you get to your position and you wait and you wait and you wait for the enemy to appear. Hurry up and wait. And the whole time that you're waiting, you're on high alert. All of your senses, all of your skills, skills have been brought to bear in anticipation of a confrontation with the enemy. But nobody's coming. For hours and sometimes for days, there is no action. And that waiting, that anticipating takes a toll on the mind as well as the body. God has promised you and I, believer, a glorious future. One in which the sons and daughters of God will finally be revealed. A great day of celebration when Jesus Christ will be crowned and we will be forever with Jesus in paradise. And I went to church and pastor told me, the preacher told me that today is the day of salvation. You have to make a decision right now. Tomorrow may be too late. You may not get another chance. You got to make this decision for Jesus and you need to make it right now. Time is winding up. Hurry up. And you, like me, you made the decision. You placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you, like me, have been waiting ever since. Your hope for future glory has been deferred. Sometimes your heart can become sick with waiting. As you consider all the things you could be doing with your life instead of waiting for Jesus. As you consider the life that you put on hold in exchange for a life that you do not yet possess. The heart becomes sickened as you sit at the runway of eternity waiting for your flight, looking up at the clouds, longing to see Jesus' face, but all you see are the storm clouds of suffering. Sometimes the heart begins to despair. Did I make the right decision in following Jesus? Will, will the promises of God come to pass? Is, is the Bible really true? These questions begin to haunt the mind 
And sometimes in response to these haunting, irritating questions, you may take to reading. You read and you read every kind of Christian book you can find in your effort to pass the time. Trying to ignore the loud ticking of life's clock. You go to different Christian conferences. You join special groups, but nothing seems to calm your eager heart. Someone said that the idle mind is the playground of the devil. The monks of the fifth century used to call this the noonday devil, the time of day or the time of life where you start questioning everything about your faith. The time of life where the burning hot sun of circumstance beats heavily across your brow and you start to feel like your faith is about to faint. Anybody ever been there? This is a spiritually dangerous time for any believer. Because it's a time where we become more susceptible to all sorts of false doctrines and new ideas and false teachings, trying to pass the time. It's a time where we're more likely to succumb to the noise of the religious crowd just so we can feel like we have arrived. That's where human religion comes from, believe it or not. That's where human religion comes from. Human religion is man's cynical quest to build heaven here on earth out of an unspoken fear that the hereafter does not really exist. Out of a desperate need to prove the truth of God's word in order to evade the discomfort that always attends true faith. True faith is uncomfortable. Because you have let go of what is in anticipation of what will be, but what will be has not yet revealed itself. True faith is uncomfortable. True faith abides between the pillars of now and not yet. It is the limbo that, that dangles us between what we see and what we hope to see. and gives us no space to find our footing. We, you and I believer, we have put the world behind us. We have walked away from the world, heading for a world that we do not see, a world that has not yet appeared. And with all our strength, we struggle to fend off the misnomer that we would be better off to discard the faith altogether in exchange for the brief satisfaction of some sense of stability. Hmm. But deep within, we already know that it is impossible to stabilize on sinking sand, and the world is sinking sand. The Bible says all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And it is this final one, the pride of life, that most believers fall prey to. We become ultra-conservative, placing ourselves high above all others, harshly judging and critiquing everyone who is not in the faith or who do not practice the faith in the manner that we prescribe. And this becomes a shallow substitute for the true glory that awaits the children of God. And our high sense of morality becomes a self-manufactured form of glory, 
designed to hold us over until the true glory is revealed. Or we become ultra-liberal, judging no one, judging nothing, and our high sense of universal acceptance becomes a self-manufactured form of glory designed to reassure us that we're small gods right now. The feeling, the feeling of self-righteousness is a placebo by which believers seek to satiate our yearnings for the revelation of God's true glory within us. The feeling of self-righteousness is the means by which we try to escape the inconveniences and the dislocating effects of faith. The means by which we attempt to prove to ourselves and to others that God's promise is true and has already come to pass in us. But hope that is seen is not hope. We hope for resurrection. We hope for future glory and the only reassurance we receive that we are indeed children of God is the testimony of the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit who bears witness to us that we are indeed the children of God. So Paul says in verse 26, now, in the same way, in the same way the Holy Spirit reassures us that we are children of God, the Spirit also helps. In the Greek, this word to help is a very long word. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Sinanti lombadimai. Sinanti lombadimai. To help. In the same way, the Holy Spirit also, sinanti lombadimai. It's a long word that paints a beautiful picture. It means to join in helping us. It means to take part with us, to stand at the side of us. And we know that if God be for us, doubt and fear, self-righteousness and distractions cannot be successful against us. The Holy Spirit stands with us. The Holy Spirit helps us. He rolls up his sleeves when impatience accosts my heart when I'm on the verge of removing the yoke from my neck and doing it my own way, the Holy Spirit helps me. The Holy Spirit joins us in the fight for the faith that was first delivered to the church. The Holy Spirit participates with us in the battle for our faith. He does not stand on the sidelines calling out the plays. The Holy Spirit gets in the game. This long Greek word means, finally, it, mean, it means to grab hold of us. In the same way, the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us. When the strength of our faith is small, when the light of life grows dim and we're on the verge of giving in to the demands of our flesh to abandon God and God's love, the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us. I love that picture. It reminds me of the man who came to Jesus because his daughter was at home sick unto death in Mark chapter 5. 
He asked Jesus to come and go home with him and to heal his daughter, and Jesus agreed. And he and the man took off toward his house to heal his daughter. But as they were walking to his house, Mark chapter 5, verse 35 says that people came from this man's house and told the man, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? It's over. Time has run out. You didn't get back in time and your daughter is now dead. There's nothing to see there. Nothing left to hope for. Give up. But then in verse 36, Jesus overhearing what was spoken to this man. Jesus said to the man, listen, do not be afraid. Only believe. Jesus grabs hold of this man. And he says, I know it looks grim right now. I know that you're feeling discouraged. I know that your faith is weary and you don't feel like holding on. I know. And I am here with you to grab hold of you, to remind you of my promises, to bolster your faith, and to stand with you through this darkest hour. That's what Jesus did for that man. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us when we are plagued with despair or dismay. When our patience for waiting for freedom and for glory is under assault, the Spirit also helps our weakness. What is our weakness? Our weakness is our propensity to doubt God. Our weakness is our tendency to get ahead of God. Our debilitating fears. These weaknesses and vulnerabilities, these from time to time assault and trouble every child of God. Our faith is tested in many ways, brothers and sisters, you know this. You lose a job and you have to have faith and wait for God to provide another way, to open another door. You lose a loved one. You're tempted to doubt the love of God, but the ultimate test of our faith it's when you call into question the truth of God himself. The ultimate test of our faith is when for all intents and purposes you have actually given up on the faith, even though you're still going through the motions of believing. It's all a facade, a fake it till you make it approach. The final vestiges of your faith are under assault and no book, no pastor, no brother or sister can seem to reach you. No one can seem to grab hold of you and to stop your downward spiral. And at those dark moments, Paul says that the Holy Spirit grabs hold of us. And he grabs hold of us because we do not know what to pray for as we should. Listen to this. He grabs hold of us because we're talking out of our heads. The Holy Spirit grabs hold of us because we do not know what to pray for as we should. We've gotten confused. We don't know what kind of help it is that we truly need. All we know is that the pain is palpable and we have never felt so vulnerable. All we know is that none of the traditions of my faith, no amount of Bible reading, no amount of extra Bible reading, 
is able to satisfy the deep longing echoes in my heart. When we are tired, confused, and confounded, we do not know how to pray. When we're tired and confused and confounded, we don't know what to pray for. Even religion, as we've understood it in the past, no longer seems relevant at all. The church we attend seems dead. The Bible reads like fiction. The entire faith seems headed in the wrong direction. We feel like we need to change it in order to find peace. Seems like everything that we have come to believe is out of touch with the times. The entire creed needs revamping. Everything needs to be reformed. And you know what? If this is the way it is, then maybe I would be better off just to shh before you can finish your words, before you can voice your full complaint. You know what? I'd be better off by just shh. The Holy Spirit grabs hold of you. Stop. Slow down. You don't know what to pray for, as you should. In your greatest moment of weakness, when doubt whispers in your ears like Job's wife and advises you to curse your God and die, the Spirit grabs hold of you because you do not know what to pray for in this moment. There is something wrong within you. You have tried to pin, it, pin your disillusionment on everyone and on everything else. You have tried to locate the problem in everyone and in everything else. And you have been talking with God, but you have been asking for all the wrong things. You want the church to change. You want the world to change. You want religion to change. You want everything to change. You want the doctrines to change. But your prayers are not in accord with the will of God. And they are not relevant to the battle that you're facing right now. You do not know what to pray for right now. The battle that you are engaged in right now is the battle of hope deferred. The unquenchable thirst to be free of this life of limitations and to be released into your future glory. But you cannot find the words because that future glory is so unspeakable. And so Paul says, when you can't find the words, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit himself pleads to God for us when we cannot find the words to plead for ourselves. I got another Greek word for you then. This Greek word is hyperintenkano. I've never heard, seen so many long Greek words before. Hyperintenkano is the word. And the first portion of this word is hyper. Probably the most important part of that word, hyper, which in the Greek in this sense would mean to be of more value. Hyper intencano, more valuable intencano. In these moments of intense spiritual battle and spiritual fatigue, when we do not know how to pray, when we do not know what to pray for, and when the cloud of spiritual warfare has so darkened my vision, and has us fighting our fellow soldiers instead of focusing on the real enemy, our prayers have become gibberish. 
Our prayers are of little to no value to ourselves or to the kingdom of God. At these moments, Paul says that the Holy Spirit prays in our stead. A more valuable prayer. He prays better than us, of course. <laughs> he knows how to pray. And he knows exactly what to pray for. And his prayers have far greater value because the Holy Spirit sees all things as they truly are. The Holy Spirit knows what God's will is for us in this season. Paul says in verse 27, he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Listen to this carefully. The text says here that the Holy Spirit has so engaged beside us in the battle that even the Holy Spirit is groaning with us and for us. The Holy Spirit has so intertwined himself with us. He has bonded with us to the point where our heart cry has become his heart cry. The Holy Spirit gets emotionally involved. And as Robert Mounts explains it, God understands what the Spirit desires, even though it is inexpressible in human terms. The Holy Spirit speaks to God on our behalf when the pain that we feel is beyond human language. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt pain so intensely that you couldn't even find the words to describe it? This is the deep yearning and the deep longing of every child of God, a desire and a yearning and a longing that goes beyond mere human words that we can't even express. The language spoken in heaven is far more exhaustive than any human language. The language of God is the truest language of all. And this truth shows us something. It shows us that the glory that we yearn for and the glory that we await is far more and far greater than our limited minds can ever even fathom. We don't even have the words to describe what it is that we're waiting for, what we're yearning for. The fact that we can't find human words demonstrates that what we seek is the impossible, that what we sense is the invisible. And every once in a while, it's just the truth, every once in a while, we grow weary of seeking and not finding. Every once in a while, we grow weary of knocking and not entering. Every once in a while, we grow weary of asking and not being allowed to taste of the riches of the glory that awaits us. Every once in a while, and these are the dry seasons when our faith is put to the ultimate test. Hmm. The test of maintaining faith even when the promise seems so out of reach. The dry seasons when the glass is not half empty but the glass is bone dry. When everything agitates or irritates and nothing seems good enough in our lives or in our world. The times when all we want to do is go home and be with Jesus, but we cannot. The Holy Spirit hears our hearts crying. 
The Holy Spirit takes his stand beside us and he speaks to God on our behalf. The text says, with groanings too deep for words. And he does this because the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, not according to our wills. And especially not according to our wills when we are so spiritually discombobulated. We don't know what we're saying. The Holy Spirit does not pray according to our will. But he prays on our behalf according to the will of God. You know, if God answered all of my prayers when I was confused, oh my goodness, I would be a mess. If God took every one of my requests seriously, when he knew that I was talking out of my head, the whole world would be a mess. Confused, frustrated, accusatory prayers are of no use to God and of no value to your own spiritual growth. Because believer, the problems that you face are not outside of yourself. The problems that you face are not outside of yourself. It is the challenge of having eternity within your heart and not being able to fully manifest it in your life or in the world that causes frustration. It is the difficulty of living in an imperfect world filled with imperfect people and the imperfections of all things while at the same time sensing and sometimes tasting of a world of glory that has yet to come. It causes frustration. And so today, I'm going to break from my regular tradition. You guys, if you've been around for a while, you know I don't give much application to my sermons. I hope that people have common sense enough to apply the teachings to their own lives, but today I'm gonna to break from that tradition. I'm gonna give you a piece of advice. If you are in a place where all you can see are the imperfections of the faith, of the church, and of the world, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like some major drastic reform is necessary in order to right the ship and you become disenchanted or even antagonistic toward what you perceive to be the faults and the flaws in most of the things around you, if you're in that kind of place, my advice to you is that you would cease pondering the imperfections. My advice to you is that you would cease judging the world and cease judging the church and recognize that your groanings are not the groanings for a better world, but for the world to come. Fall to your knees in prayer and do not say a word. Do not allow the disgruntled disposition of your heart to spill out before God's throne but hold your peace on your knees and let the Holy Spirit speak on your behalf. You do not have the words to express your truest desires. You do not possess the power to change the world or even to change yourself. 
Let the Holy Spirit plead for you according to the will of God. And the Holy Spirit will tell God what is really on your heart. And what is really on your heart is the symptoms of the sickness of the hope for a glory that is being deferred. If you'll do this, when your spouse upsets you and you feel like your world would have been much better had you not married that person, if you get down on your knees in your frustration and don't say a word, just allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. What you will find the Holy Spirit saying is, even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. When your family is in disarray, instead of looking at your family and saying, you guys are making my life so hard. No, no, it's not them. What you're desiring to see is perfection. You are desiring your future glory and you're irritated because it does not yet appear that's not their fault. <laughs> Fall down on your knees and realize that what the Holy Spirit is saying is Calvin is really ready to go. Even so come Lord Jesus, even so come. And in the meantime, give Calvin peace to live in this imperfect world with all of these imperfect people. Help him to see that he's just as imperfect as they are. So he doesn't need to feel uncomfortable or out of place. <laughs> give him peace in his heart. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. But I'm on my knees saying, God, get my wife in order. She's gotten out of control. I'm so sick and tired of this. I come home and no food is done. Lord, we need help in this house. God, get these kids under control. Get these kids. Lord, my boss is a jerk. I need you to rain down some fire on him because that's what you're saying. And God's back is turned. I'm like, yeah, who are you talking to? And then the Holy Spirit says, Master, Master, wait a minute. I know what he's trying to say. Let me say it for him. What's he trying to say, Holy Spirit? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is a great lesson that can help us to better understand ourselves and better understand why we feel so disillusioned and frustrated and, and disgruntled all the time why the whole world always seems like a mess and we're always just tired of it all, just sick and tired of being sick and tired. It has nothing to do with the world. You were made for glory and you are hoping for a glory that is being deferred. And your hope deferred is making your heart sick. And the only one who can heal that is the Holy Spirit of God, our intercessor. Let's pray. Father God, you know our hearts. You know our inward thoughts. You know our coming and our going, our uprising and our down sitting. You know all that there is to know about us and you Holy Spirit, who searches our hearts. 
you know what is the cry of our souls. Forgive us, Lord God, for being so shallow in thinking to believe that this world can somehow encroach upon the peace that only you have given to us. Forgive us for that. Help us to better understand ourselves and your word. Strengthen our faith in these difficult and dark days. Encourage our hearts and give us spirits of joy and of peace, peace that passes all understanding. I pray for us today that whatever the problem is, whatever is the concern that is keeping us up late at night, whatever the frustration, Lord God, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would intercede on our behalf. That you would say the words that we cannot find words to even say. And even so, come Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.